ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Oki Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Oki Podcast. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest with me today. Man, I'm so excited and I'm stoked that, you know, he made time to um, come on the show today. He is an actor, artist, entrepreneur, former radio host, musician, and I mean, we're, he's done so many other things and we're, we're just going to dive into everything else that he's done. My guest for today is Daniel Adam Warrior. All right. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> everyone. Dan Warrior, Daniel Adam Warrior. Uh, good to be here. It's actually really cool to be here. It's a really calm, cool place to be. I appreciate it. Hell yeah, yeah man. I'm, I'm so glad you, you know, we, we hooked, we connected, man. I'm so glad that, you know, I, I know you're a busy man. You know, you got a lot of things going on right now. And, uh, you know, what you I say know, to that, there's 24 hours in a day. You find the time for things you want to do and people you want to see. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's actually a blessing that, you and I could even sit here and, and talk about things. So, yes, sir. Uh, that's my view on that. So for everyone that's like, oh, man, I'm busy. The schedule busy. Whatever, man. How important are you? You know what I'm saying? I just, you, you I got four kids. Mm-hmm. It's just that on top of what I'm doing already is, is a lot. So uh, those, are, those are just excuses. So I wanted to be here. I came here. I showed up. And that's what I do, man. I showed up. I said, don't worry about it. I'll be there at 1 o'clock. And I was here, so I appreciate your time, too. Yes, sir. For the listeners, you know, tell us, you know, where you grew up, what was growing up like, and, you know, everything that kind of just went towards, you know, where where you're at now in this, you know, journey, bro. We'll start at the humble beginnings. <laughs> Indian housing, Cushing, Oklahoma, the pipeline crossroads of the world. Yep, I know already yawning this dog's already yawning um <clears throat> i had three older brothers and two hard-working parents my mom drove a bus uh, she ran a restaurant we threw newspapers every day planted our food in the backyard my dad drove a truck for oil, oil company my aunt and uncles moved around us my grandparents so we were kind of raised by everybody so i got a lot of variety um of people, personalities, being the youngest, being the smallest, <laughs> being the smallest, <clears throat> and surviving, man. But I had a good personality. I, I met a lot of doctors when I was a kid, and I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I did end up going to med school, uh, pre-med um, in college, but I w- it was very unique. Because my mom said something when I was a kid. She said, how are you going to get in there with your good looks? Because <laughs> we didn't have any money. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> I will get in there with my good looks. And, you know, I went through a chubby phase. I went through a really tall, skinny phase. I got to meet a lot of people that way. Um, I came back to um, high school after my growth spurt. I went from 5'6 to 6'6 six, six in one summer. Jeez. And I had, like, stress fractures and stuff, but minor things. Um, but it hurt. It hurt to grow up. And I was in band. I was in math club, science, and Spanish club and everything. And I just wanted to be... I wanted to expand my mind as much as I could. I was in band um, from fourth grade or 
what do you start sixth grade I think and played the trombone uh, I wanted to be a drummer but he, they said that uh, I was long winded and then I had big lips so I should play like the tuba or the baritone and I was like I'll play the trombone it looks like fun but because I had a lot of uh, diversity my brothers were challenging me all the time they were doing the same things I was doing competitive all the time um you learn to be the best. We played in the streets till the street lights came on. Uh, we would go ride our bikes from when we got up to sun went down. And uh, I got to go on cruises and stuff when I was a kid because my best friend was a doctor's kid. And <clears throat> I got to learn about surgery and about um, business, about marketing, religion, I got to learn things that people in my class weren't able to learn. So I was well-versed in a lot of things. I was like the youngest Rotarian at uh, the Styrian because I told what was going on in the schools. Because well, they, they talked to my height, not my age. Because when I was 15, I was like 6'6", six, six, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So people talked to me like I was an adult, and I was still just a kid. So... um I felt like I needed to do something also to prove that I was worthy of that, you know? So I, it was a lot of me proving myself. Um, so growing up in Cushing, which was a small town um, that's still segregated, there's still tracks, there's still the bottoms, there's still white class, there's native housing, uh, not much Mexican side, but a lot of oil people. So they're from all over. Um, I had a diverse crowd, a lot of people moving in and out, um, but a um, good town to grow up in. I became an all-state basketball player, and as soon as I was able to get out of the house, I left. My parents divorced when I was like a sophomore, so I was kind of in a house by myself. My mom moved away, my dad moved in with some woman, and I was in a house alone. My brothers went to college and I just kind of said, well, I'll go find somewhere to live. My, my best friend took me in, uh, made me their son and went to college. But I, uh, also, you know, my dad was still there through, like he went to all my basketball games and everything. And he, you know, made sure I was fed, made sure I was still, okay it's not a, a story of pity it was just i was too young to understand what it was a weird odd time that uh, people had to work and you didn't have good relationships because you're always working a job and you never saw your partner so i had to take that into account when i got older but i was bitter when i was younger um so to to to, to wrap that all together from growing up to college that's my life at that small town I was very publicized. I was in the newspaper all the time because I was um, our number one basketball player. Plus, I was making like a 3.97 GPA. I was being on the radio and uh, the Rotarian, and I was, I was still in band and science club, but I was riding my bike. I never had a car or anything. Mm -hmm. I had a really big Schwinn, <laughs> and uh, I would like go to my girlfriend's house and knock on her window and talk to her through her screen on my Schwinn with my trombone, <laughs> like on the handle of my, uh, 
my bike while I was, you know, still wearing my football pads, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was like, I was like, it was too much, but I had to fill my time, man. And so when I do something, I go all the way and that's how I became good at basketball. I wasn't good because I was tall. I was good because I understood the science behind it. Like if I beat my guy off the dribble going with this foot and I beat his foot there. I can take two dribbles and dunk on him every time I can do it. I can do it. And every said every time I said I can do it, I did it, and I did it. And every every time I don't know if you've ever dunked on another human being, man. If you've ever had that feeling of pure dominance over another person or thing in your species, and then you just land on top of him and your junk's in his face, and you just you're over this dude, and you can't do anything about it. Like when you got that. You want to do it all the time, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I never wanted to shoot a layup. I just wanted to get it in there and swing on the rim. But I don't know if it was anger. I don't know if it was competitive spirit. I don't know if it was just I had so much pride or energy. I'm going to win. So put me in that corner. I'm going to come out, and I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to close my eyes, but I'm going to be on top. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been... You know, I gotta eat, <laughs> so that's uh, that's kind of what I've been going through. Getting to this point, it hasn't been some like someone handing me stuff. Go, ahead. that's 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 the start. You know, I had to. I was throwing newspapers. I met all the people in the town because I gave them the newspaper and I collected their money, like thirty-seven cents for a week or something like that. But I never sell the money. I never sell the money. I was like, where's the money? Talk to my parents. Like, I've been throwing newspapers, the Tulsa World, the Classifieds, the Cushing Daily Citizen. Like, well, they're like, they're like, how are you throwing those, those newspapers? And I'm like, well, I ride my bike. They're like, where'd you get that bike? And I was like, you bought it. And they're like, well, where'd you get that shirt? And I'm like, and then he took me to go pay bills with him. And he's like, this is your electric, there's a gas. You paid, you know how they used to pay with a check. You didn't go to the gas place or you go to the electric place and you pay. And so he let me see how fast all that money went into where our food came from, mm-hmm. where our clothes came from, where our my bike came from to throw those papers to, to live. Um, I didn't know how good, like, other people had it until I came up real quick like after college like I started making a lot of money but um, I didn't know that lifestyle until I was introduced to it by my friends and I saw like I'm like I don't ever want to see my mom work again you know Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to see my dad have to be in a truck for half of his life you know Um, so I was like What's the best way to make some money <laughs> without doing something I hate? Because I had, if you were to go back to my my work history and look at my resume and my lost jobs and my, I don't even know if you could, it'd be like a whole chapter in a book. Um, but I just, I, I don't know if you're not gonna be happy working a job because it's a job. So I had to find something that I like to do that I could be good at. So I started 
exploiting my talents. <clears throat> I can draw. I can talk to people. I can. I was really tall. I ended up at six foot ten. Um, I could reach people just by smiling at them. Um, so I started to tell my story in a powerful way. Like, I won't even, like, what I just told you is more than I told anybody. Like, that's, like, you know, um, we would get, like, if we did something bad, we got, like, punished. And our punishment was, like, to go pick, like, two baskets of potatoes out of the backyard. Or to grow potatoes. Or to cut the peaches. Or the you know, do the, build a fence. Or, you know, do the plumbing on this thing. Like, all these little things my parents were, like, punishing us with were, like, to sew. My mom said we had to sew. So I learned how to sew. I learned how to cook. I learned how to, all the stuff you don't think about. They were up to something. <laughs> and I didn't know it, but. I figured out. because we didn't have they didn't have anything to give us except those skills now I'm a badass <laughs> yeah and now I can do anything you know so just a shout out to my mom you know? yeah my dad and that's where all this all that you know you, you were telling me before we even started man you, you've done so many things yeah you know it it it's kind of like if I were to sum up all that um, as a, a metaphoric statement to to say like, um, you know, this isn't like a, oh my, you know, my parents, um, you did such a great job and like, um, you you taught me all these things. That's that's kind of if I could encompass all the experience into little, what I got out of my childhood. You know, I saw my dad go to work every day. I saw his work ethic. He never missed a day, even if it was sick. Um, my mom didn't either and she would just she would sit in the chair and close her eyes for like 20 minutes and then the alarm would go off for her next job you know so I was like well she can do it I can do it mm-hmm. my dad can stay days at a time I can do it and then people just believing in me just because my brothers would wear like well one of my brothers would wear tassels on his arms like the ultimate warrior mm-hmm. in football and he would just terrorize people. And he was the best football player ever. And <laughs> they were like painting his face like that and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I can do that. Never could. It wasn't that good. But I uh, did my own thing. Like um, people would make, you know, they would make fun of me because I was, you know, in church all the time. I was, you know, being a nerd, I was getting good grades, I was in band, I was teacher's pet, whatever, um, and I was never cool enough, uh, but I was I was just a badass basketball player, and I could do whatever I wanted on the court. Um, so I started, like, wearing long socks and, like, uh, made my hair, I, I dyed my hair blonde. I wore fake tattoos on my arms, <laughs> and... Uh, I would wear like wristbands and everything, like the whole thing to every basketball game because if they were gonna make fun of me, I was just gonna give them something to make fun of and then give them a show. 
mm-hmm. and I was going to block their ball. I was going to play their best dude, and I was going to take them to the hole, and I did it, and I just, I would win. So I kind of beat them to the punch. I learned, you know, like Eminem, like, you start making fun of yourself first yeah, before they can, and then you just beat them at their own game. So I found out my little niche. I found out I can get under people's skin, get them out of the game, because I'm a real smooth talker. I'm real good at that. So I would drive my brothers crazy playing against them because I was I was always better, but I was always talking shit, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I used that my, to my advantage in, in college, and I got to pick whatever college. I made all state. Our first, I was the first all state. I'm not bragging on myself, but this it's significant because I, I I talked to my coach, one of my heroes, Coach Tuttle, back home. And he, he documented all my stats and everything. And he has a picture of me in his office making Allstate, McDonald's Allstate. First one uh, for Large East, which is like all Tulsa schools. And we were the only 4A school besides like, you know, Terrence Crawford. I was the only 4A person that made it up there. I got out of there after all that as kind of a hometown hero. And uh, I thought I was. I mean, that, that's just how I perceived it. Cause, but I didn't care. What, that's the thing about when I was wearing my tattoos and stuff. I didn't care who was there. I didn't care. That's when I was in my zone. Like I was under their skin already, mm-hmm. and so it had nothing to do with trying to be the best or showing off. It was like I was like, this is one gift that I have that I know that I can maximize my future. Mm-hmm. I can go to any school I want if I do it the right way. So I was very strategic at surviving. Like I didn't want to pay for my school, so I'm gonna find a way to pay for it. Um, I didn't want to not drive when I was, I was going to find a way to get a car. And I was doing all this stuff, not knowing how I was doing it. Cause I didn't have a penny in my pocket. My parents didn't send me off with a dollar. My tribe didn't give me nothing. I think I'll take that back. They gave me like 800 bucks. And first thing I did was I bought a drum kit <laughs> when I was like 16, 17, they gave you like 800 bucks drum kit. My dad came home. He was so pissed. Cause I spent all in one day on a drum kit. Cause mm-hmm. all I wanted to do ever was be a drummer. And I'm getting ready to put out some drum stuff coming up. I'm recording with at a studio, but nice. um, that stuff I'm passionate about. Um, but when I left, I went to Southern Nazarene University in Oklahoma City, um, and I wanted to study. They told me that they had an art program, so I was like, "All right, cool." And they hadn't built it yet. But they're like, we want you to play basketball, so we'll pay your full ride. And I'm like, fine. It's a big school. They're, they're sponsored by Nike. You got a lot of cool Nike gear here. Put me in the best dorms and, you know, whatever. It was all going to be like, so he walked me around this new facility. And I was like, man, this is awesome. He handed me, you know, like, he's like, this is the paper. If you want to sign with us, we'll pay for all. It was like 30000 a year. So, yes. They didn't have my major so I had to go, what my other guys were in, they were in for a pre-med and business. So I went into that pre-med and business until they built my major. <laughs> Never happened. So um, I it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And the whole thing about playing sports in college is you're, you're hailed as above the rest of the things there the people the kids the like kids were getting my autograph and stuff like my <laughs> as old as me you know it's like stuff like that like 
and come to your games and take pictures with you and stuff, which is cool. Um, but you had to learn a mentality of on the court, off the court. And you had to learn to be like a professional as an 18-year-old. And how to maintain your good stature on the court or off the court. Like when you're out at a club, you can't go to a club if you're on the basketball team at a Christian college. Mm-hmm. So I had to play goody two-shoes. And, and, and I can't remember what philosopher says it, but he says goody goodies are the thieves and stealers of virtue. So basically when you're trying to overdo being good, you're basically taken away from how good you actually are. So that makes sense. So I'm when I left I left everything I ever knew in my hometown college was brand new. I was a star already and I didn't really have to work for anything. I was riding the bench and I was like the stud on campus, you know, so kind of like a charmed life and you get whatever you want you could have steak in the middle of the night if you wanted mm-hmm. and they had pay for your gas or like you know do your laundry whatever um so it was a new turn for me because i was like i never had anything like that i always had uh it was kind of hard to get where i was and then all of a sudden it's handed to me and it wasn't a big deal it wasn't a big deal to be taken to the best steakhouses and, you know, handed the nicest cars and stuff. Not handed the cars, but they'd let you drive nice cars if one of the, you know, people had a nice car you could borrow, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting anyone in trouble, but it was like somehow there was a car you could borrow. Mm-hmm. Any college, any college I tried out for, they were handing me stuff. They were taking me to the best clubs and DJs were announcing me when I came in. The girls were all talking to me uh, to try to get you to go to that school. Mm -hmm. I was kind of baffled at how true it was of these, these movies and stuff that show kids getting exploited to go to college. They're like, Hey, we can get your mom a job. If you come down here, Uh, your dad can have this Oldsmobile. If you get, if you move down to southeastern Oklahoma, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you kind of see through the, you see through the illusion real quick of what the society of this world's about. I went straight from the bottom to the straight to the top, and then I got into, I never did drugs, drugs. I, I was doing, I was drinking in college because I never got to do it at home. I was always in church. And the guys I was going to school with, they'd been partying since they were like 12. And I was always in church. And so I didn't do it. Uh, aside from that, I just basically moved to Indiana. I transferred schools. I went to a school with uh, in Indiana because I met a girl uh, in the middle. Like we, Our schools played against each other. And I met her. And she's like, hey, you could go to school. They're looking for a tall guy to... <clears throat> play on their team so i called and they gave me a full ride in indiana i don't know what that had to do with my life but i guess it was my first like independence Mm -hmm. she didn't even go to school there she was still in arkansas and i was going to school in indiana waiting until she finished school so we could live together and anyway uh never happened 
I mean, I just was up there playing college. <laughs> and, Damn. Yeah, I know. So I've played for two years there, and I met a lot of really cool people. I did a lot of cool stuff. I did get my major up there. Uh-huh. Um, I did get asked to play some semi-pro overseas and to play in uh, Nashville, Albuquerque, Arkansas. And so um, I followed that ride for a little bit. Every team collapsed because they didn't have any money and no one could keep the players there. Um, and I just said, well, I ended up in Albuquerque. That was kind of like, all right, that dream's over. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never, I didn't have anything to prove in the first place. I had that hunger that, and that's how I take life today. Like, even if there's another actor that's better than me, I will still show up to the audition and know that I'm better than him. If, if I'm not, I'm not. I'll give it to him. But you're going to get the best of what I got. And so um, me doing that with, um, I do voiceovers. I try to do the best I can. Um, being a father, you know, make sure they're, they're, <laughs> they go to bed warm with full bellies. And they do. And uh, I make sure I make sure my employer knows that I'll show up to work because he needs me. And I'll make sure that he doesn't need 10 of me. He just needs one big one of me. And I can do it all, and I'll do it good. Mm-hmm. I'll do it well. So um, I guess that just embedded discipline to survive and to be, like, do what you say you're going to do. And if you, don't, if you don't plant those potatoes right, they don't grow right. You know? If you don't put in the work, you're going to be hungry that winter. So do it right the first time. Kick some ass learn as much as you can on the way to do it you can do anything and every time you get knocked down i say every time because you're going to get knocked down every time and if you stay down you stay down people walk over you they will you get back up you get back up and and you you become powerful and and people realize that there's somebody in there that's uh i can't i can't push around no one pushes me around. I'm realizing how big I am these days. Mm-hmm. Not just physically, but fitting into my skin finally. Because I always grew up scared and small. And I just had to have a few people believe in me that said I could do it. A couple bosses that said, I don't care if you're fucked up. I'm stay on the job. Keep doing it. And I did. And I kept showing up. So that's the biggest message of me. It's like... You can be where you want to be. You can meet the people you want to meet. I wish people would be educated about alcoholism. I wish they would tell the people why they're doing it and what it does to your body. And <clears throat> and to find the the void you're trying to numb yourself from. Like, what really is, go back to that little kid that, that happened to or whatever you went through and take care of that kid and say... I'm sorry you went through that. It's 20 years later. We don't have to keep dwelling on it. And when you were a little kid, it's the the problem was a lot bigger than it really was. Like, my parents were gone, but my parents were working. So the balance in that is they were gone, but I was warm in a bed with food. Regardless, you know, if I was at my parents or my friends, but I was taken care of somehow. And it didn't just magically happen. So... 
I have to take the discipline of my parents as the plus side, but it takes you becoming that to understand it. So as a parent now, I'm keeping my kids fed and alive. I know what goes into it. So my amends, my amends to the situation is to go back in time and say, my parents were doing the best they could with what they had. Um, my mom, my, you know, she would put out like a, a sausage biscuit for McDonald's because she knows that I loved it, or just even a biscuit sometimes to let me know that she cared about me and that she wouldn't see me that day. But here you go. So those little things, I do that for my kids too. I leave them whatever they want in abundance, like in little places, like things they like. Uh, I found out that's the important stuff. And it is hard, but I had to say, all right, well, now you know the situation. Now you're aware of it. I don't say just get over it, but like start to work toward getting past something that happened so long ago that doesn't even exist anymore. That's depression. Yeah. And that's what a lot of our people are dealing with. But but the worst thing to do is drink alcohol that tears you down even more yep. in, in your mind. And you actually become something else. Uh, I was a very, very, very critically, dangerously hard alcoholic for 10 years where I ended up in different states. I didn't know where I was. I ended up in different party buses. I didn't know where I was, like, with bands and stuff because I was doing radio and stuff because it was free drinks everywhere. And um, it started getting me sick. And I didn't understand why because I was like, this is supposed to be fun. I saw everyone. I didn't drink my whole life. Until I got into like radios and parties and karaoke, and I was like, "This is how you do it. This is the fun part." And then I was like, "Man, I can't get up the next day. My stomach hurts, or um, I'm dehydrated, or my head hurts, all that stuff." And you just want to stay in bed. So that had to be um, the one thing. I, I, if I had anything to, to tell anyone, I know that it's always a regret story. Like, oh, well, you drank at one time and feel bad about it. I'm not going to feel bad about it. I had to go jump into it before I could understand it. And when you understand it that way, you begin a relationship with this thing. And you're like, I have to protect my bottle. I have to protect my alcoholism from everyone else. And, and you get, you become a recluse. You become so far in your head, in your house, and your health, throwing up, like missing days, losing jobs, girlfriends, friendships, family, and then you're by yourself. I was under a bush in Van Nuys, California, drinking vodka with a homeless guy under a bush in a park. I could take you to the exact bush. I had to live under there for a little bit. I ate from the trash cans out there. Like it got so bad where you think that everyone is out to get you. <laughs> you know, it's just that's that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And and I had someone literally walk over me on Hollywood Boulevard. I had to sit down because like I was so dehydrated and malnourished. Like I was on the boulevard and someone walked over me. And that's when you figure out your worth. Because as a human being, you know, you're, you, you can't 
understand that feeling that someone else could after you've been on top mind you being i was literally on top of um like club down brookside smoking a cigar right by dennis rodman like uh flew in by helicopter just had sushi with the um maxim magazine hometown hotties girl uh limo right to the top of the hill i mean like all the like the best nights you could have mm-hmm. when I was when I was alone that's where I found me everywhere you go there you are so was it me or my situation was it my environment or was it my attitude and what makes that person more successful than me? That was my biggest question. Like, I got up in the same situation that dude. He woke up. I'm sure he put some clothes on and went to do whatever he does. And his car is way nicer than mine. Mm-hmm. His house is way nicer than mine. I'm sure that I'm more capable than at a bunch more stuff than that guy is. What has he got that I don't? Well, he's not an alcoholic. <laughs> he's not... A slob. He's not a dreamer. He's not. He's a dreamer because that's how all things. That's how all things start. How that's how that's how this started. That's mm-hmm. how I believe that. But <clears throat> successful people have habits that they do, and they they have to, I guess, decide, decide to go all the way into the. I call it playing the game of life so you sell yourself as a product of whatever you want to become so i said i wanted to be um i want to reinvent myself in a way that i could be proud of myself there's a few there's a few things that that turned my situation at the point where I was, where I was, went to the homeless point, and you know, there's a few states. I've been to every state, like besides Alaska, mm-hmm. not by choice. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, I was just hitchhiking or ended up on a couch, or I mean, this is all by dumb choices. You now, every every situation that I was in, I put myself in. I ended up in jail, ended up in rehabs, I ended up in. Um, like an institution not like it was just like a homeless place but they helped me get back on my feet write a resume they taught me all this stuff like that but it was because i was a slave to this bottle like i I, you can't function in society and have a job and do things you're supposed to do when you're wasted all the time yeah but um i think my lack of purpose after you achieve something after you achieve a great honor or have an all-state ring or a jacket or a full ride scholarship or a 4.0 you know all this stuff you can then after you leave where all that stuff felt good and everyone knew you as that hero now you're nobody you can wear your all-state jacket on the side of the road you know while you're trying to stay warm under a cardboard box so nobody knows you out there and that was the hard, because I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm dead. And like, not like so. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to come off as the victim, but I do want, 
I just want everybody to know that out of hardships uh, come great rewards, but also it hurts. You got a lot of growing pains. And if you choose to keep getting back up, that's what I, that's what it takes. There's no cho- there's no choice. You just got to get back up. Because if you don't, you I would have died under that bush. Out of adversity comes great rewards. And it builds character because when you die, all you leave with is your character. You can't take any of this stuff with you. Even the cool shoes you got or the stormtrooper helmet. It all stays. So, if you want to transition, I'll just say that out of all that, I I, I found my way out. My mom uh, took me in to her house. I somehow got on a plane from from Hollywood, and I don't know how it all got together, but I somehow made it across the U.S. Like malnutrition, kind of out of my mind a little bit. Like John Mayer was like on my airplane. He really wasn't, but I thought he was. Um, kind of like that. It got to be like very skewed, um, and made it back to Omaha and I still thought things were all over me and moths were around me. And my mom took me back to her farmhouse and basically just sat with me all night. And I was walking around her house and seeing things everywhere. I ran down the street. I saw the devil himself. Like, I just gave up. I fell to my knees, and I just said, just take me because I'm done. Like, I, I just gave up. And no one knows that. Like, that was that was hard because my mom had chased me down the road at her farmhouse. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, that's it. It's over. And she got me up, and we went to the hospital the next day, and Basically, I was so malnutritioned and dehydrated and everything that my body was shutting down. So I made it. My mom had me turn my whole sleep cycle around. She started feeding me. She, um, I even had her buy me some alcohol because I was coming down really hard. And you, that's like the one thing you can die from is coming off alcohol because of the nature of the dependence on it. Um, your body can just shut down if you don't have it. So that's what a lot of people don't know either. But I learned all this stuff in rehab. So they, they, they educated me on, on what what it does to your body and why. But um, so basically she didn't want to, but she bought me some beers so I could not feel sick all the time. And she had me paint the barn, the whole barn. I had to paint a barn with buckets of paint and as I was like trying to get my health back in order, it was like blood pressure, it was like bad skin, like hair wouldn't grow, like I was just sick all the time. And I was like on the verge of dying out there before I came home. And so I painted that barn and I got all the way to like four square feet and I ran out of paint and I was like right in the middle of it. I don't know how that happened, but I just have a picture of it. And she had me like go and like, we were throwing tires um, and everything to cover silage out there. My mom lives on a farm in Nebraska. So she was still out there throwing tires. And she she showed me, like, you can get up and do stuff. And don't lay around, lay around on the couch all the time. So I got a job. Um, and then I started, started a 
finding some self-worth, I guess. Um, getting over the psychological stuff that alcohol does to you. And I moved to New York with my brother because he, he was a chef out there uh, at a casino. I never heard of this place. And that's, I just got on a plane and I moved in and that started my whole journey to uh, what I became and who I am today. Um, I, I moved in, I moved onto a reservation in New York, the Aguasazne Mohawk Reservation um, with two backpacks. And uh, that was it, that's all I had up there. So, and that's where I met our friend Dukon that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. He's he's astounding. His his art, his everything, like his demeanor. He can make designs on anything. He's doing wood now. And I started doing tattoos. And I was hoping that one day he'd work with me and we could do tattoos together. So it was very hard to become Native American <laughs> in. New York, when you're a Shawnee Creek Rosebud Sioux giant native on new territory, people that don't know you, they don't know why you're there. Uh, they don't have anything to do with me up there. I was a new guy, and I was getting phone calls. I was getting people kicking my gas line at my house. My, they didn't want me there. Um, because they, you have to be like fifty percent even beyond the reservation. So, Dang. and if you're not, they come to your house and they make you leave. Like mm. it's legit because they they hold their ground because uh, they're on the Canadian border. So the Canadian border is pushing south on them. The Amer- American border is pushing north on them. So they're right on the border. And they're if you look up the Oka crisis, you'll see it's still going on today. Um, it has a lot to do with. Cornwall Island, you have to look that up too, and that the people on the reservation have to go into Canada to check in, to come back to their hometown or homeland, uh, and talk about what goods they have and stuff. To even though the Canadian border was just a line they put through the middle of the reservation, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, you're can't you're Canadian now, and you're American now. You can't be Native American on your own land." So they this was after you know they they made a line through their land so uh it was an interesting place to be and it was hard to live there um at first until i started doing the work they call it smartened up up there i mean i say when you when you're gonna smarten up <laughs> that's pretty much the words i kept getting from my wife before she was my wife um and she's the, she's a whole chapter of this thing. I just want to say she's my hero. She saved my life, and and she took me to work. She ironed my shirts. She made sure I was clean and that I did what I said I was gonna do. And while she was going to school, while she was raising two of her own kids, and there's so much I can say about her. But basically, like when I was on the red carpet this last time, I put her in front. You know, so. Um, that's, that's, that's how much she means. So, um, that also helped me when I was up there. Um, she introduced me to the clan mothers cause you can't get anywhere cause it's the matriarch. You have to know the clan mothers. You have to get on the right side of the longhouse. you have to, you have to dress the right dress. Um, I mean, 
they only speak Mohawk and they're like they don't speak any other so you just have to learn the language I had to learn the language I went from dealing cards at the casino to working in hotels I was cleaning toilets at the casino because it wouldn't work in with our schedule I had to go start cooking at a cafe a diner for a while and then I stumbled across a live radio remote that was on the highway and I stood right next to the table and I was listening to the girl do her pod or not her radio show and I was like I want to do this because I had done it before and I needed to save my life and I was like what do I have to do what do I need to do uh let me get in there let me let me do some work in production work for free for a couple weeks and see if it's something I can help you do and they're like no we're full no way and I showed up at the station and I I met the boss I was like I said I go straight to the boss and she looked at me she saw something in me she saw my eyes she saw me like this desperate desperate like wanting something I only had like one good shirt and she said we'll see what you can do and her name's Diane McDonald she gave me my shot after my whole crash in the whole world and just one person giving you that belief in you changes everything and I was like maybe I can do this again maybe I can be Hightower again so having someone believe in you that much kind of like said alright well, what the hell have I been doing like if this random person that doesn't even know me sees something in me why can't I see that in myself so uh, that's when it kind of gave me a little bit of power and she was like here you deserve she gave me a jacket that had my name on it it said Hightower on it like took me to get lobster for the first time you know like I all I did was just say that I, I wanted it and I would do anything to get it and when people see that it refreshed the whole radio station I started throwing sock hop dances for the old people uh, rock and skates for the young kids um, different contests radio shows ticket giveaways all the stuff they had never done before I started remembering how to run a business and so I started running karaoke business, photography. Started doing like drum lessons, stuff like that. And I was getting burned out. It was too much, too quick. And I was drinking one time and I started playing in this band. We were playing like Bass Masters and all this stuff. We were playing big places and I was drinking again. And so that's not all my life was about, everybody. It's not all about, I just have to say the importance of what I went through through alcohol vastly changed the course of my life if i would have known the education side about the, the terminal effects of your body and stuff i would have never started my my wife's like you can drink but you just can't drink here and i drank there and she called my probation officer on me and he came to my he got the police and i went to the best rehab in the state it's only hard because, like, this is, like, like where they, they send people, like, they're on their way out, you know, like, really bad, and there, like, you either make it or you don't, and the people that don't make it, don't make it. I keep getting messages on Facebook of people that went there with me that are dead now, you know? Mm -hmm. 
they're just not there anymore. Like these people that we were, I was throwing the football around with, you know, like, like we were really making some progress. And like, I was in there because my boss and my brother, I was hiding out at this house and they were, they couldn't find me for a few days. And I, I wasn't living with my girls and living with my brother. I wasn't at work. I was just trying to get away from everybody. And um, when I got, when I had to go um, that last time to detox, I couldn't even go to detox because they had to take me to the emergency room because I, I blew like a 0.5, something like that, mm-hmm. 0.5, which they said 0.2 people die. And um, I was still up walking around and stuff, and they just couldn't understand. But they were like, we have to make sure he makes it through the night before we can put him in the detox. Mm-hmm. So, so they sent me to St. Joe's, uh, St. Joseph's, and that was, that was, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, it's up on a mountain, but they just give it to you straight, but they talk about real stuff. They educate you. It's updated stuff. And they talk about spirituality. I had one lady, her only purpose there was talking about spirituality. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And as soon as we started delving into that side of things, my my brain started sparking crazy things. Like I never knew, I started connecting dots of why my life was the way it was. That go hand in hand with what spirituality is and it's not religion and stuff like you think it's like that it's it's everything so I was like I said when I go do something I get very extreme I didn't understand spirituality so I went very extreme don't you know what you are don't, don't you realize what you are you're not just some meat suit really so in reality were these bipeds getting smashed down into the earth, right? And for some reason, somehow, our, our non-conscious, unconscious brain keeps us upright instead of just falling to the floor, right? Who's beating your heart? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The circulating blood, the fact that you think you're pretty big, I think I'm pretty big. But if we take a microscope and look at your blood, there's little things inside of it eating each other, and they think they're the biggest thing. So who's really in control of this whole ship, right? Because mm-hmm. those little guys think that they're the big big dogs on campus. So when you realize what you are, and you break yourself down to elements, and I started studying quantum physics. That's how I got into the balance of, of spirituality and science. And there's there's documented equations that calculate spirituality with science and nature and what we are and what we are capable of with our manifestations, with our thoughts, with our emotions. There's already, there's neurological connections in your heart. That's why you feel something before it happens. All that stuff, when we start breaking down, we're not just these brown guys wearing clothes in a society that consumes. When you break all that down, you get into how many years do I have to exist 
And do you remember falling asleep before you woke up for the first time? That one will get you. Mm-hmm. And are you going to remember this when you fall asleep for the last time? And to the black eternity that goes on forever. Because in honesty, in all actuality, we don't even know where we are. We don't know what we're on. We don't know really what year it is in real time in the solar system. We don't know what we're standing on. We don't even know if there's an out to this. And you don't even know if your whole reason for being is to just eat and poop. Right? Mm -hmm. That's what we do. Our stomach makes us go compelled to go eat right that's one thing we won't settle on if you're hungry you're gonna go eat did you know that the in the human body when it's formed the tube in your stomach forms before the rest of your body so that thing actually like grows a head to go get its food and it grows legs to go get the food so it's that's the first thing that's all this is formed and then the head forms after so the real um reason exists is to eat consume and whatever breathe <clears throat> and and in saying that that's the doomsday side of it that's the sad like we're just here to exist the good side of it is that we can choose how we want to live that and that's how we dream and and bruce lee said be like water so when you're like i told you outside when we're when things are coming at you and jujitsu and judo, as things hit them, they lean back with the punch in order to take their power and use it against that. So the balance of like yin and yang, the black doesn't exist without the white. The white doesn't exist without the black. It's just an eye floating in the middle of nothing, right? So mm-hmm. is the eye the something, or is the white thing the something, or is the black the nothing, or is it is the the whole a light source or is it a hole into something else so the balance of everything is is karma and it translates to the doing it's your doing karma everything you do causes what what happens right uh personally i was overweight it's my fault i wanted to eat steak and i wanted to eat fried chicken or hot wings mostly um so uh, the, the, the repercussions of that is that I got overweight, sodium, heart problem, not heart, heart, uh, blood pressure, <clears throat> all the stuff that goes along with it, the enjoyment side of it. But you also want cake because it's good. Not because it's fulfilling, not because it's healthy for you, but something in your brain says that's your reward. Mm-hmm. So you change your reward system. What is the thing that I want to do most tonight? I want to <clears throat> lay in bed, put my phone on my little clip that I have on my bed, and I want to watch the next Stranger Things, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That's my reward. That's all I need to do all day today. I need to do everything I need to do to get to that point. That's going to get me there happy, fed, wife happy, kids happy, and that's the only thing I have to worry about because there's no such thing as events. It's just a continuous now. So everything that happened in the past that we're sad about was that snap. All of our experience comes through this tiny little eye hole, which is right now where we're sitting. And then it goes out into nothing. And that snap that I just did, it's already gone. You'll never hear it again. Nobody ever will. It doesn't matter. 
well, you were here down here because they recorded it. But if it didn't affect anyone's life in the course of detrimental, it might have been the butterfly effect on the other side of the world that made the wind that blew the sail of the fish, the fishing boat. But right now, <clears throat> as you sit there, you're more than just, like I said, the meat suit that has a skull, a skull bone with a brain in it that's made of what? Squishy stuff, right? And that's controlling all of it? Are you sure? So the experiment for you today, open your hand. Just put your hand, oh, close it. Okay, just open it really slow. Okay. Now I want you to tell me, I want you to think before you say it, who did that? All right. So. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> You have to decide to do. You decided to do that, right? Mm -hmm. But who decided to decide? So when you say, "Well, does do I exist be halfway between my ears, behind my eyes? Is that where I exist? And I'm just in there somewhere? Am I a floating spirit? How do I make my hands do what they're doing? How are you scratching your knuckles right now? You know, what I'm saying, did you choose to do that, or is that subconscious? And then you think, well, the brain thinks, if you close your eyes right now, I still exist, right? Mm -hmm. You can still see me in your brain without me being in there, right? So here's the thing that's going to throw you. I didn't exist till you saw me, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you create this. Your eyes evoke the sun. Your ears evoke the bird's chirp. Because without that, we wouldn't be able to hear it. So bird's chirp wouldn't exist anyway. But our ears can hear it. So we evoke that. So in that, in that way, you do create your world. So when you say I, I am, you are the centerpiece of this spherical organism. So whatever point we're on, it is the center. We see the center as us. We could spin around and see this world as a spinning thing, right? Mm-hmm. But while I'm sitting here with you, I still exist in your brain, on the back of your brain. So there's nobody in the middle looking through binoculars through your eyes saying, yeah, he's right there. I see him. Your occipital lobe's in the back, and it's happening in real time that I exist. All the main little things that started our brain, the cerebral cortex, the occipital, the, even the, <laughs> they call it the medulla oblongata, yeah. the basic... Uh, Lymphatics, the, everything that is the basic of survival. So if you see the, a caveman saw the bushes move and then he walked over there and a tiger jumped out and killed him. The next person that sees that bushes move, he's not going to go over there, right? Yeah. That's how we learn. So the limbic system, that's the most basic part of our brain. The rest of it is the cerebral cortex that, that involves our emotions, our thoughts, our, uh, how we get attached, how we're afraid of things, how we smell and, and use our five senses to perceive this. So, when I was talking about, um, like, do you even know how to ro work your thyroid gland? It's mm -hmm. just doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know how you grew your eyebrows like that? No. But that's all you're supposed to do. That's it. If you were to just stand there in the middle of the field and grow your eyebrows like that, that's all you're supposed to do in this world anyway. Mm -hmm. So everything else is just icing. It's just fucking cake, man. So, all you're supposed to do is be who you are, 
without any pressures of anyone to be anything or a label or whatever title you want to have, it's all fake anyway. Whatever you stand for, you stand for. And you don't question it. You don't ask anybody's opinion because you're like, well, guess what? You're made of atoms. <laughs> you're made of molecules. Okay, let's just take this table. Let's just say it's made of wood. Mm-hmm. Wood's made out of trees, right? <clears throat> like trees are made out of what? Branches, leaves, and a trunk. Well, you put it into pieces. It's not. It's one thing. It's connected on the earth. Does that make it part of it? Everything that was in that acorn was in that tree that's going to produce that next acorn and the next acorn the next year. All the bark, all the rings that it's ever going to be is in that little tiny acorn. So when you realize what you are and you're just a guy doing a podcast and you're fucking happy doing it, that's all you're supposed to do. There's no more pressure for anything else to be anything else. You go to bed tonight, you watch Netflix on your little TV. That's all you wanted to do that day. Fine. So what? If anyone else says anything about it, they're not doing anything. You know what I'm saying? They're mm-hmm. probably sitting at home eating Cheetos. Yeah. We're working right now. We're trying to build a better future for our kids, something for them to believe in, to, to, to get real woke. What I mean when I say, does yourself... Is it in this? Some people think it's in your stomach. Some people think it's below. Freud thinks this whole existence is libido. <laughs> Imagine, why do you get a good job? Have a nice car, right? So you can go on a nice date, right? Mm-hmm. So you work your butt off to get that nice car, to get that date. Why? Because we got to procreate. That's it. We have to make more of us. So that's the real reason that we do all this stuff. Moving up the ladder to impress the female, just like the bird dances around with his feathers to make him look pretty. So, can I be the one to to make my genes continue? So when you break it down to that, we're just in like little huts right now, me and you. The next person over there, they probably make like, they're probably a blacksmith. Cool, that's what they do. This person is probably like a candlestick maker. This person makes pies. We're just little bipeds walking around with a service. People like to hear these things, like to hear us talk about stuff. That is your gift. You know, it's going to get bigger, it's going to get better. But your dream is there, and you saw it, right? You saw where you want to be, with a big, big, cool studio. Go straight there, right now. Go right to how badass your studio is going to look. The lights in it, all the speakers, all the, the, the video cameras, where they're going to be. And you say, that right there... That electricity went through all that, all the way to the end of that picture you just saw, exists. It exists quantum. It's called entanglement, where you're, uh, the, the Higgs boson, I don't know if you know about that. Hmm. It's past string theory, it's past Einstein's, all this stuff. It's down to, an, my, my theory is intent. But your intent is to make this for the right reasons, right? You spend your time doing this for the right reasons. It's almost effortless. Like judo, like I said, if I come at you and try to punch you, you'll grab my arm and pull me into the punch and throw me on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. Because this comes easy to you, that's the gift that you say. Well, it didn't seem like I had a very hard day and I got to do some cool stuff and all right. I got a high five from my woman and now we're going to eat nice dinner. That's it. That's, that's, That's the secret is that you created what you wanted to happen today. We made it happen. Achieved. Done. Those little things like that set you up for the next thing. So the fact that you just thought of the coolest studio probably has like red and black speakers or something like that. Lights in it. 
those LED lights that run around, make it. Because right now that it exists, now you know what to get to do it, right? Mm -hmm. But those little glimpses of that imagination that we forgot as children, that's what we're missing today. That's, that's the manifestation. People are labeling it wrong. You're not daydreaming. You're not a dreamer. You're not coming up with vis visions or whatever. That's manifestation. And the fact that you created it, your world will completely wrap itself around that one thought. If you really believe that it's yours and you decide that you do deserve it, it will be yours. You do one year of everything you need to do to get that, nothing else matters, and you'll have that. That's manifestation. The doing part is what everyone wants to sit around and wait for something to happen. You're doing. You're here. I'm doing. I'm here. Right? I'm not here for like publicity. I'm just here to tell my story because it sucked and it's great. And now I understand why I went through all that. Because all the people that I met, the hard bosses, the people that didn't want me around, the people that did want me around, they needed to exist for the balance. Karma, the doing. Human being. Human means the mask we wear in like Shakespeare's. They have the little um, mouthpiece that looks like a like a horn almost where people out in, in the play when they're listening to it, they can hear me and they see that mask and they know who that guy is, right? <laughs> they don't know who's behind that. I do. <laughs> but I'm playing the part of that mask, right? So take yourself there. You're behind the mask and presenting yourself in front of everyone. All right, there's a cool looking mask that's got like nice face paint on it. But you still have to go back to the green room and you got to go be yourself. That guy is the guy you need to go apologize to. That guy is the one you need to go take care of and say, hey, I need to do a little better for myself. I need to do something for myself for once. Clip, clip your toenails, clip your fingernails, wash your face, cut your hair, whatever you do for that person and say, hey, I'm still taking care of you. You're still, you don't have to present this to anybody else. You don't need to be a Shakespearean play. If you can just be that person back there, everyone loves that guy and you don't even know it. If we can all do that, then we realize that we're all in that green room. Yeah. And we're all just wanting a little bit of like high fives, little hug, little fist bump, but we're all too proud. We want our masks to look really good because the audience that doesn't exist out there, that doesn't care, that will go home and forget their ticket anyway, those are the ones really running who that ego is. The mask is the ego. Ego is not a bad word. It's it's that, the ego. Who do we decide to play today? I don't really care. I know people stare at me because I'm six foot ten. I don't really care because I'm on a mission. I'm going to be a movie star. I don't know how. I don't know if it's even going to be, but I want to meet Steve Harvey. I want to work for DiCaprio. I want to maybe meet Carter, my favorite drummer. But did you see how I said maybe? Yeah. That's all the universe heard. I will meet Carter is what the universe hears from me. I will lose the 130 pounds that I lost. I will be a good father to my kid. I will have patience. And they that's what the universe hears. And so when you're out meditating, praying, whatever you choose to do, that's when the real work is done. And that's when I got into meditation, yoga, and I started taking better care of myself. And my book that I wanted to write is called It All Started the Day I Touched My Toes. 
because that was the day I said, I can't even get out of bed. I can't sit up in bed. I'm 385 pounds, and I can't pick my son up because my back is failing on me, and I got to go get surgery, and I have to do all this. What can I do that's small to help myself? I'll see if I can touch my toes, and I touched my shins. That's as far as I could go. Really painful, and then so every day I just made a point. Every time I see something on the floor, I'm going to pick it up. I kept going, going, going. And now I can put my full knuckles on the floor. Damn. And it was just that. It was just the, the one feasible thing I could see, the tangible thing that I did. They said, if I can do that, I can do this. I did the Forrest Gump thing. Well, I went this far. Might as well keep going. Yeah. And I kept doing that stuff. I'm like, well, I wonder if I could get on the set of a movie. Like, how do I get that? Well, some guy's looking for extras. Can you just show up? And I showed up as an extra. I had like $97. He's like, do you have any pictures of yourself? No, but I have a friend that the camera paid him the 97 bucks. We had no money. Uh, and I took the pictures and he was blown away because I went all out. Like I just pulled my arms out and I just screamed at the camera. And I was, because I was thinking, I said, my kids have to eat. And I said, if I go all out on this photo, they're going to see this guy. No one's else, no one else is doing that. We were in some park. But I said, let's create this guy. Let's create this warrior character. Turn this whole thing around. Mm -hmm. Put on a fake plastic chain I showed you. Yeah. And he said, all right, let's go. Um, when can you be here? And I said, tomorrow. We got the kids in the van. Sent me a picture of this guy I'm supposed to fight against. And I was like, geez, that guy's huge. He's like, we're going to do a fight scene, and uh -huh. we need you to show up. And I'm like, let's go. So I got my hair done. When got my hair dyed, they sent me to a salon. And then uh, I just, they, he said, as soon as he saw me, he said, he said, come with me. He's like, we're going to go straight to the top of this mountain. So the director guy took me to the top of the mountain took a picture of me right in the middle of the superheroes that he already had like for like the whole two weeks put me up there so the fact that he put me on there he had to put me in the movie mm -hmm. but I showed up there and I just said let's go now I'm on the cover of the movie golly what a day <laughs> I'm on trailer and everything and I became part of this oh, wow Show me the trailer. Yeah. I became this superhero on this mountain in Texas. And I met the owner of the house. And I met these people. And they were just as crazy as me. Mm -hmm. And we were just playing. We were just playing these characters. And I was like, I feel like the Native American Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> I got up there and all these people were wanting to take pictures with me. I had my feathers and everything on. I just showed up like that. I'm glad I did because that's what got in the movie was all my stuff and my feathers. And he's like, um, we stayed the night there on the floor and did a couple more days and I helped the guy clean up his yard. And we just bonded, all of us. We were up playing music together and drumming and singing. And it was, we became a family. Anyway, it's a family of misfits. It's the name of the show. It's like a family of misfits get together and they save their city. Mm -hmm. So, 
I didn't hear back from him for a long time, and I'm like, I wonder what that was for, what was that all about? But because I got a taste of that, and I was like, he sent me the picture of us on the mountain, I instantly put it on my Facebook, and I was like, that's the new me. That's who I want to be, is that guy on that mountain with his arms out, that big giant guy. Because someone saw me through the lens that way, and I never felt that big. And everyone started looking at me different, because I was walking different. I started, like, getting better clothes. I got some better quality boots. Like, uh, really taking care of my hair and, like, eating right. And people started talking. One of the guys came back from that show that I did a fight scene with, and he said, hey, we're looking for a security on this other show I'm working on in Tulsa. Can you do security? And I said, whatever you need me to do. I can be on a movie set for real. He's like, that was the one dream I wanted to have. And I showed up that night, and he's like, okay. And I was like, well, where are, the, where are the movie stars and stuff? He's like, oh, you're just watching the trucks. Oh. <laughs> you're just watching the trucks. You won't even see the stars because you're going to be working overnight for the next two months. Mm-hmm. No no, uh, no days off. Damn. 14 hours every day. Oh, shit. And I was like, I got a family and stuff, man. Uh, he's like, well, you know pays good money and you're the only one that seemed willing to do it and I said if it gets me to the next thing I'll do it mm-hmm. so I showed up every day delirious because being up every single night does something to you it's all the way downtown so I had to go from Milwaukee to downtown or bags to downtown every day mm-hmm. I did it showed up every day and started meeting some of the cast some of the people you know they started calling me warrior and stuff but I still played my character yeah. And no one knew who, like, that was a scared little, like, previous alcoholic, like, don't know what I'm going to do with my life, kind of feral child kind of thing. They didn't know what I was. But I played this character, like, I got a chip on my shoulder, I get the job done, I show up, I'm this dude, and you can rely on me. And they started trusting me with, like, more trucks, more stuff, more people under me. I moved up to PA work, you do production assistant, where... I'm yelling cut and rolling and getting all the whatever they need. I start going to the trailers and helping the... I saved one of the girls, <clears throat> one of the stars, uh, a movie called The Inhabitant. She thought there was a fire in her trailer. <laughs> and I ran in there, dough on the floor trying to find it. It was the pilot light inside the furnace, the little tiny pilot light that was burning. Uh-huh. She thought her camper was on fire, and so I had to go save her from that. And so now, because of that... She's introducing me to her family, which they're big-time directors in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I just started meeting directors, and they're like, "This who's this giant guy over here like, on all of our sets? Like He's always making sure everyone's safe and everything. And I just kept going, playing the part of the superhero. Now, this is like the, the part that once you reinvent yourself, you find out that's probably what you were already before. You just didn't know it yet. Yeah. And when people also agreed with me being uh, this person on on set, they started um, referring me to other positions. So then I was like head of security. Then I started setting up base camps. Then I started being on the walkie-talkie with the freaking directors. Took the next job, and the guy said, well, what about um, 
about craft services and i was like because he saw me i was doing security but i was over there straightening up the chip bags and the, the mints and the nuts and all the all the sodas and making sure they're all lined up and look good mm-hmm. so then he's like i referred you for craft services for this new uh show coming up for disney plus and fx and i'm like all right well cool i was like um are they taking extras or anything like that? And he's like, I don't know, but you're going to be serving their food. Fine. I'll do whatever, whatever needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So we got here like eight months ago, nine, nine months. Well, it's been, I think nine months, 10 months. And, uh, so starting from that being one of the being films to now saying that that's what I wanted to do. And I, I already pictured myself like working with like Leonardo or working with, and it's mine. Even to get onto the red carpet was my one dream. I wanted to show my mom in my nice outfit in front of my own poster in front of a theater full. We sold two theaters instead of just one. Mm-hmm. And it was a video of me screaming at the camera and picking the guy up by his throat <laughs> that got everybody in Dallas. And then my face is 80 feet tall. And I was in there, and like I, I took a bow, and everyone's clapping for me and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm on this red carpet with all these misfits, and I like told my heartfelt, you know, gratitude for being where I am. Because if you don't stop for a second, it's just another one of those things, like Allstate, or it's just another thing that passed you. And they're like, "Wait a minute, I missed. I forgot to enjoy that." And then it's gone, and you don't have that high anymore of accomplishment because you did do something cool but you don't have anyone to share it with you know because you're like what's the next thing what's the next thing so manifesting will give you everything you want you just have to be careful about asking for too much because you'll get it you'll get everything i got as soon as i got here when i was on the slab this is going to sound crazy but i was on the slab on the generator for four months that's a sad part too, but I, I learned how to survive. I'll briefly hit on that. We were in a tough situation. We couldn't work because of COVID. I cut our, um, I had a shop in the mall. My tattoo shop that we started from my basement ended up in a mall. Um, I, I built that in my head. I said, I want to come up with a recording studio. And then I said, what am I going to call it? War Scream Studios. I can't call it Warrior Studios. And not War Cry, how about War Scream? Like, you're screaming at War Scream Studios. And yeah. I just went home and I drew the logo. I made a logo. I did it graphically. I started making it spin around and make smoke. And, and then I started building my basement to match what I wanted it to look like with red and black and lights and lasers and smoke. And I started doing little things to make that money, like DJing small gigs and everything time I make some money I spend it only on my stuff downstairs like new guitars or speakers or um I started learning how to use the energy that I used to use into hiding and drinking around corners and sneaking around and all that stuff into something like this like you have microphones with nice most people don't even have these arms you know what I'm saying Mm mm-hmm you work for this and you take pride in it mm-hmm. pop filters you know what i'm saying like all this little stuff to that was part of your vision and you made that part happen but you probably stopped right there 
if you go all the way to the end and say, I'm going to maybe go on with Howard Stern one day, mm-hmm. it can happen. And then the universe will all line up for it to happen. But you got to be careful because when I was on, this is the story I was talking about. The drums, I, I learned this guy's whole album on a practice pad with my headphones and that was it. I would play in my truck in the snow because we didn't have anything to do out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned this whole album and I got here and he's like, I can't believe you're back in town. He's like, you still drumming? I'm looking for a drummer. I was like, I already know your whole album. And I went in and played it. And he was like, we've never played any of these songs before. They're all just like electronic beats and stuff. I was like, I know I already picked it apart. But my daughter was about to be born. And there's no way that I could be in a band and have a daughter. And so I had to quit my band. The hardest thing, I wanted that with everything. I worked on that practice pad every night. I got it. I got a healthy daughter, too. That's all I wanted. It was very complicated, and she had to get a surgery and stuff to, to make her safe. Mm-hmm. But I, you can overwhelm yourself, and you can say, I want this, this, and this. You want a million dollars? Good. If I gave you a million dollars right now, what would you do with it? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Would you be different? Would you go get a different car? Cool. Are you still an asshole? Yeah. So what? It doesn't matter. People that aren't ready for that, doesn't even matter if they have it or not. I've had a lot of money. I've had no money. It's still an asshole. You know? So I had to change that side and, and practice smiling more. Practice being nicer to people because guess what? They are you. This one's going to blow your mind. You want know, to talk about a mind bender. Say we're on the moon. And we're looking at the planet Earth. It's a planet, right? We call it a planet. Why? We agreed that we're going to call it a planet. Sure, there's some Latin behind it or something. Mm-hmm. You watch the Earth on a time lapse. The theory of relativity, well, theory of conservation of mass, says that regardless of the empires we build, skyscrapers, cars, people, let's say you have like septuplets, and, and you make a bunch of babies, and people die. People build giant whatever the earth will always weigh the same right mm-hmm. regardless yeah will always weigh the same because everything that you made it out of is from here right yeah. so thinking on that note <clears throat> the earth right now as you're watching all the empires being built people are being grown and dying grown and dying grown. so it looks as if the earth is peopling as an organism, as its own entity in the middle of nothingness, peopling. So, the fact that we see ourselves as independent things from each other, we're just different. We're, we are the, the very end nerve endings of the earth itself moving around. We are energy. It's just like the flame on a, on a lighter. It's there. It hurts. You can't touch it. It's there. You see it. It clears fucking fire. That's what we are. We're that same vibration. We're just a different dance. And not as hot. Some of us are hot. But thinking that we're something different than the people around us. Thinking that space separates us. Space doesn't separate us. 
It contains everything. Space contains everything. Otherwise, the earth ball wouldn't just be sitting in the middle of nothing. So as we're part of that, the organism, the only difference between you and that tree out there is that you have shoes on and it doesn't. The fact that your lungs look like an upside down tree tells you what it's made for. So even though that's a different piece out there, it's part of us. Mm -hmm. We need it. Just like you don't see bees where there aren't flowers and you don't see flowers where there aren't bees. So in a weird way, they are one thing. They just look different. Life experience plus enlightenment plus deep study of what we are and then you realize you're one in 40 trillion with zeros behind it chance that you even exist right now at this time uh, should show you that you're more of a god than you are anything else everyone is no, nobody stopped you from doing what you wanted to do this morning right mm -hmm. nobody you can do whatever you want anytime you want they want to scare you with news and stuff saying so you can't do anything, but I did whatever I wanted to do. I'm wearing boots and shorts today. Um, so, in, in saying that, tomorrow I go back to work on my Hollywood set. I meet the right people that I'm supposed to meet. I don't force anything because you can tell when a singer starts to force it, right? Mm -hmm. It's unnatural. So, in the general sense of our world and our life, the fact, the sheer existence is enough they like you or they don't you make yourself likable or you don't you you walk around like you're any better than anything else if you can look at directly at the sun and it hurts your eyes you're not that much of a big shot mm -hmm. you're right mm -hmm. that thing runs everything yeah so there's about 14 deities that are named after the sun like osiris all the even the Indian deities in India, Nepal, uh, all these old civilizations, they had different names for it. And guess what? They were all born on December 25th. They were born of a virgin. They were, they were risen from the dead after three days. And it all mimics the star system where the sun goes up and it, it has to level out for three days. And they said the sun didn't rise for three days. And on the third day, it's all astronomy. So when you open your mind past what we were previously taught was the real thing. Um, religion, Catholicism, Baptist, Baptist, whatever you grew up in. I mean, there's there's Muslims that grew up there that are Muslim because they were born there, not because we were born here in the Bible Belt of the USA. Is that why we believe it? So I had to go to every church I ever thought of going to, see what they believe, see if I believe that the way they believe it. And why? And I got really deep in a bunch of stuff. Read the Quran, read the, the Muslim Bible, the Korean. I mean, everything you could think of. It's just about. Let me tell you what it's all about. See if I can get through this. But um, when, well, I missed my I missed my son's first steps when I was in rehab. It was like a couple weeks. He. He came to visit me and he was walking and like ripped me apart. Mm -hmm. I missed that. So I was like, never again. So that's when 
one of the main reasons I stopped. His name is Lanonquatzelatzatzte, which means he is powerful medicine. And he's, you know, he, he's like, I, I could be frustrated or I could be, want to be left alone and he'll always come up to me. You know, he's nonverbal. So he just puts his cheek on my cheek or something yeah. without me deserving that. My daughter, Xena Warrior, Xena and Ultimate, uh, her, her Mohawk name is Gunalonkwatsela Hawi, means she's the bringer of love. Um, like when I see her, she lights up, her arms go crazy, her mouth gets really white, and she reaches for me. Mm-hmm. For the same guy that couldn't even feed himself, laying in a ditch that was in jail next to really bad guys, you know, like yeah. wants me for nothing. I didn't do anything. So out of all the awards and everything I've ever gotten, uh, I had nothing on that for another being wanting you more than anything. That's that's real wealth. That's real because you can't take that away from anyone. And then the and the the illusion that you could ever have something tangible. Just think of it. Just think of time lapse. Your life is this long. And there's like this really cool gold chain. We'll say gold chain. Mm-hmm. The fact that you think you can keep it, you only get to possess it for this long in your life. And that chain goes on, right? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's like that. This whole world, you can never hang on to something forever. You die. Um, so people are reaching for that stuff and they keep having mounds and mounds of things in their house that take up space that are supposed to fill the space in their soul. That's emptiness. You can set a full house full of nothing. Chains only last so long. And now they can make diamonds, so it doesn't even matter. So the value system's got to change. Your value system's got to change. You want to change people's lives? Start with your own. I had to look at myself and touch my toes one time. I had to feel what it's like to be at the bottom when I thought I was hot shit. All state basketball player, big man on campus, in the streets, saying, "Yo, like, can I like have half of that burrito?" That you know prepares you for any hardships in your life, people. So when you get to where you are, people. people what is the <laughs> kid rock? You get what you put in, and people get what they deserve. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So I, I I do everything to keep my family together. I get to bring home gourmet foods because now I'm working on reservation dogs for FX Disney Plus for the one director that I wanted to work for. And I didn't even know he was going to be there. I got referred to craft services from some other movie. And they put me in. The, and the Sterling Harjo walks up. And, like, gratitude, man. I, I find four-leaf clovers, man. Yeah. You look for what you want to find, and you go get it. And that's just it. That's the way the universe works. You wait your turn. I just keep showing up. I'm carrying crates of water, five-gallon pitcher or those five-gallon waters. I'm ordering their food. I'm taking them drinks. I'm cleaning up their trash. I wash their dishes every night for the whole staff, the whole set. I do the dishes, but they, you know, I, I just, and when they're ready for me, they say, warrior, let's go. And, and then, then I know that 
my manifestations are true. I, I know from where I came from to now that they are. Even this show, this is real. This is, this is, you got more out of me than anybody has ever gotten because I wasn't, but like I said, I got a document for my, my kids. So it's like, uh, like I said, it's a continuous now. So if you have one foot in tomorrow, which is anxiety, and you have one foot in the past, which is depression, and you're pissing all over today. So there's no reason for that. Like, as we are saying words, everything within our reach right now is the only thing we can worry about right now. The only thing we can affect. If if we want to spend time to go fix all the problems, then you set aside time to go fix all the stuff and do it strategically before you overwhelm yourself. So simplifying your life will allow you to um, see more important things. My friends that are still working really, really hard jobs and hours. They never get to spend the money they make anyway. Yeah. Or they go on vacation just to get sit in the hotel at the beach because they, they're too tired to go do anything. So, I my biggest, biggest advice is put your woman first because, you know, we see the world differently. Their perspective is different than ours. They see a loving side. I see, like, let's do the, get to the point. Get here, here, let's go here, let's... But she's like, well, how are you going to get there? I don't know. <laughs> so I've I've learned to be humble with her and because she she taught me a lot. She's been really humble, humbling for me because she barely has to say anything. She can just walk in her room. When we were in, when we were in Dallas and we walked in and all those girls were showing all, all their stuff, she was fully clothed, full sleeves, full everything, and the whole room turned around to see her. Mm-hmm. That's power. So I started to be like that, where I don't have to say anything to anyone. People know who I am. But I'm writing the the biggest thing the guy at the New York rehab told me when I was leaving that stuck with me is he said, I think everyone should follow this advice. He said, stay in the river. It knows where it's going. So your show here, wherever it's going to be anyway, mm-hmm. is where it's going already. So it knows where it's going to go. And if as long as you stay in this, you'll get there. So as long as you're not trying to make your own decisions and force anything, that's going to happen. You just have to keep showing up. That's what I do. And now the the stunt guy at, on set was like, uh, we got a couple of scenes coming up. You want, you know, like I was there. I still, I'm still working. It's hard. It's very hard. But the fact that I'm there, that people are saying, Hey, you're like the glue that's holding this place together. Because I don't talk to anyone. I just do my work. Mm -hmm. I'm just craft services. I'm not trying to get... Whenever they're ready to call me up, I'll be ready. So now I appreciate all the jobs underneath. So whenever I get there, whenever I get there... See how I said that? Mm -hmm. It's not if I get there. Whenever I become a star, I'll know how to handle it. And And appreciate the guys that made my food, that washed my dishes. I think that's the whole lesson of the whole thing. Aside from the trophy of of getting here, being safe, being healthy, having our family where we are, that's not what it's about. It's about the journey. So the journey to get where you are right now, that's the real reward. So people make big demons and dragons and things that aren't even there before they get started, you say, 
hey, let's start a podcast. Oh, well, it's going to cost this much. You're going to have to do this and this and this. And they shoot your dream down. Stopped. Done. Okay, well, I guess you're right. I guess I won't even try. Mm-hmm. And just be done with it. Or you say, no, I, I want to do it. I'm going to do it. And then you do the next thing to get there. It happens. Thoughts become things. With friendships, relationships, spirituality, myself, accepting myself, mirror therapy. If you ever look in a mirror and tell yourself that you love yourself and you really say it into your eyes. Mm-hmm. If you don't cry, then you're doing something wrong. But people need to stop looking out there for their solution and realize they already have it. It's already inside. Everything that was in the acorn will always produce those acorns for the next trees that it makes. So it's all in there. So, whoever opened your hand is the one you should be taking care of. And you won't know that until you know why you opened your hand. If you open your hand for the right reason, the universe will put something in it. So, if you want to start changing lives, start with your own. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had to touch my toes. I had to lose some weight. And I had to show my kids that I'm not just a raggedy alcoholic. I had to mean something. I had to leave a legacy for these. It's not for them. It's, it's, it's for the whole thing. The better I do with them, the better they do for the world. Everyone's going to, they're going to remember Xena Warrior, an ultimate warrior. And hopefully, I have enough time to see the hero and Dan Warrior. That's what we need to leave for them. So, this whole thing was really long-winded, but I hope that you can get some good stuff out of it. Bro, I enjoyed <laughs> this so much, man. There's a lot more. I love your story, man. And it just shows, like, Like, it shows, like, uh, you can be at your lowest, but you could still rise up, and you just have to believe in yourself. Keep fighting every day, no matter what, and say these things like, it will happen. Affirmative affirmations. And that's what everybody's teaching me on here, is that you have to do that. You have to tell... You have to speak it into existence. Yes. That's you, it. you have to you have to do that. Well, there's too much doubt. There's too many people saying I would if or uh, this would happen, but this 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 happened when I was this old. How long are you going to carry that? How long are you going to yeah, be that person and let it define you and be that woe is me poor guy like nobody's going to help you except yourself. And you don't reach for a handout, you reach for a hand up. You say, what can I do? Own everything that you've ever done. Because when you're at your bottom, and we'll just take it to scientific, the the way the world is on extremes, if it can be that bad, and if it can be that low and that far, nature and science both say there has to be an opposite force on that so all the bad there also has to be that much good on that side so all the bad that you've ever seen it has to have the exact opposite on the good side 
So once you take ownership of the bad stuff, you can also allow yourself to take ownership of the good stuff and say, okay, I know that, but I want this and I deserve that. Since I already went through that, I deserve the best. And going through that helps you appreciate the best. But there's really no growth without some sort of, there's the lesson and there's the blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Choose the right, be a light, don't lose sight. And you have to, like, not quit before the miracle happens. That's the biggest one. Because, like, we were, like I said, we got here and I said, how oh, are we going to get to Texas to do this thing? I don't know, but I have to do it. And you make it happen. So, that jump-started me into this. And now I'm getting calls for Killers of the Flower Moon to do... They couldn't fit me in the cars to be a driver, so I had to do something else. <laughs> He's like, well, you're on my desk, so when you finish your job at FX and Disney, come over to us, and we'll fit you in somewhere. And then the person that Reservation Dogs now, the sound engineer guy, already said that I have a job. He wants me to be a boom man. Yeah, <laughs> The whole nice. mic's way up, because he said no one would be able to see me. He's like, dude, you'd be perfect for that. Mm-hmm. So, like... Because I was, I showed up and I was just craft service and I just did my job. He saw me show up and now I'm getting a position that people work their whole lives to get in with the stars and holding the microphones for them. Yeah. That's real. So it's not intangible. It's not too far out there. No. This is intangible for some people. They this Just having a setup like this is more than most people would ever dream of. But you started. Mm-hmm. You did. And that's the right direction. So... When you're when you're like have people working with you in about two years and you have a whole setup in a studio, you'll remember that vision that you saw. That was real if you keep thinking of it and keep pursuing it. If that's the only thing you really want to do, everything else falls to the wayside and you'll get there. But I think it's it's hell of a thing you're doing, man. For a lot of native people that lost hope, that think that we're at the bottom of the barrel, we haven't even started to begin. These people that I'm working with are all powerful natives and like we're starting to gain some momentum and figure out we are powerful we're creative where people want to be us because we got tradition and culture and they they just bother they want to start having their own powwows in England because they want to be us yeah because we're we're, we are powerful Mm -hmm. the Nephilim giants that's what I think I am (laughs) it's like the sixth (laughs) chapter of the bible it's like Giants came from the sky to protect the chosen land. That's us, man. And we're the keepers of the Turtle Island. That's what this is. Yeah. So, until they take me out, I'm still going to keep being a good role model to my people. People look up to me. I'm 6'10". Literally. (laughs) But uh, it takes opportunities and catalysts and people like you to put things like this together for us to do that. Because people never heard my story. And I really don't care if they judge me for it. I'm embarrassed of it because it helped me learn. And I went through that. I stayed alive for some reason. So my kids could be there. Like, I wasn't even supposed to be able to have kids. I was so bad on my health because of alcoholism that I wasn't even supposed to make it. I was, but, but for some reason, my kids exist and they are perfect. So... So if all that means that 
I get to go home and watch some Disney with them or whatever. Watch. I get to, they wake me up in the middle of the night and I have to remind myself, like, I have kids. They are little things, little reciprocations of me. And I can either hurt them or I can help them. That's the only way we're going to solve this whole thing with race or hatred or my son hugs everybody he, he's non-verbal but he hugs everybody that's his nature and i want him to never lose that yeah he hugs strangers he sits with old people when they're sitting by themselves at restaurants he he doesn't ever really say anything just sits with them that's all they want and they smile he is powerful medicine that's his name that's all he's supposed to be even if that's all he does for the rest of his life so we put these expectations on people or ourselves that we're supposed to be this big thing when more people have liked me for me than the characters I tried to play or the radio DJ Hightower that I was. They like me because I talk about science and religion and I cry and I talk about how hard things are, but I also talk about how great things are. Like just looking outside, just you've never seen a misshapen cloud, have you? You've never seen a tree that's ugly. They're all beautiful in their own way, right? Mm-hmm. We're made by the same thing. So where there's no mistakes on us. Yeah. So when we start thinking about that, like we are creating this. And once we get out of that, I think we're going to be just fine. Yep. Yeah. But, but accept the bad with the good too. Bad things will happen. They have to. But you have to keep getting back up like, ah, that sucks. That hurt. What did I learn from it? Where can I go from here? Because you can't stay in the bottom. You can't stay down there because that's what the world wants you to. Mm-hmm. And strong survive, and they really do. And strong doesn't mean tough; it just means um, those ones that have scrapes on their knees from getting thrown down, but their hands are even more beat up from pushing themselves back up. Yeah, that's what I want to be. Yep. Because the world's gonna knock you down. They're gonna walk over you, literally, or just put your hands back down, and get back up. And say, they have to live like that. I don't. So, shed the things you don't need. Like, like I found the four-leaf clover because I was looking for one. You'll find everything you're looking for because the subconscious puts all this together. It says, okay, it's a safe environment. This person's not going to hurt me. Um, everything's okay. All right. So the vision I shot forward out there is real. I'm in a safe environment to say it. And now I believe it. So I I talk about manifestation a lot with people because I've watched it happen. And there's no other way to say it except look at my pictures and hopefully I make a short movie with my videos and stuff that I made from the beginning. Mm-hmm. How we put the solar panels on, how we uh, made it to the church parking lot here with no gas, my cousin's house letting us, like, everyone just took care of us somehow we had faith that things were going to happen people aren't going to let you fail I mean they might but if you already believe that it's going to it's going to be okay it's going to be okay yeah you don't wait you don't play music to get to the end of it you don't know where it's going to end up you just want to do it to enjoy it same thing with dancing you don't dance to end up at a certain place you dance to share a moment with that person. Mm-hmm. So, enjoy the dance. 
It's not about a contest or who dances the fastest or plays the music the fastest. It's about the dance. The journey. We're all doing our own dances. So make it a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another please. talk out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I mean yeah. that's just that's that's me. That's the surface of like what I get into and my thought process, meaning that if you start thinking about what that everything is made of things, then you start everything is figure outable. I taught myself to tattoo in one year because I know that a needle makes a mark if you touch someone's skin with it. So if you connect two lines and then connect another one, then another one, eventually you have a cool tattoo. Mm-hmm. So everything is like that, small by small by small. And it's like, why, why wouldn't you just get the life you want? She wants to live in a treehouse on the beach somewhere, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> so find someone that likes your same values because I have a whole other section on re- on relationships. I got a whole other section on money, a whole other section on all of the, the arts, stuff that business side, all those things that I talk about. But until then. Yeah. Man, this was awesome, man. I appreciate oh the opportunity. Man. We just got to think bigger. You got a lot out of me. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. That's the whole thing is connectedness. People, they're they're putting masks on us, keeping us away from each other because of that. Mm -hmm. Because we're not powerful without each other because we are the same thing. Mm -hmm. And if you realize you are a God that you can create, not saying you're blasphemous or anything, everyone gets, but but in real terms, like, let's say you really wanted some Kool-Aid right now. What do you need to get? three things right mm. you know where to get those right yeah you visualize it you know the path it's going to take to get there if you're thirsty enough and you want that kool-aid bad enough your feet will make you stand up to go get it yeah but you got to keep it in your mind and now you're like really thirsty because i have man, I want some kool-aid that's it that's what placebos are that's what uh medicine is that's what prayers deep thinking toward you can heal people by speaking good words to them when your heart and your mind are are in sync, that wave travels like 30 kilometers. So you actually do have energy we can't see around you. That's your aura. So when you connect with someone, you have what they call, it's quant, on a quantum level, it's called quantum entanglement, which means you meet up with that person, you find something you like about them, and then you get the charge that they have, and then boom, you fly off into the different parts of the universe. No matter what, no matter how far you are away, when this one changes to... A one, this one changes to a zero. This one changes to a zero, this one changes to a one. Exactly the same time, like they communicate. No matter how far the distance is. So, that's called, the actual term for it in quantum physics is called spooky action at a distance. (laughs) Which means that they don't know why, they can't explain why they saw the same charge. So when you come back together and you see each other again, it's like you never left, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing. Damn. So when you break everything down to like, if it makes sense mathematically at the smallest level, it has to make sense at this level too. And when you look and you try to figure out if there's a flea and you go look at it <clears throat> on a microscope, you're going to find a flea on that flea's flea. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's and it's endless. You can you can cut things in half as long as your blade is as thick as the cut. You can cut things in half 
until they become an atom, which is called it's unsplittable. But then if you blow up the atom to the size of your fist, yeah. the electron is going to be across the yard. And the next atom is going to be like in San Francisco, if you were to blow it up to that big. So most of the space between us and them is space. There's nothing there. So when you say mind over matter, it really is mind over matter. Because we're made of atoms that are mostly nothing. Mm-hmm. Except spinning electrons. So, break it down. Give yourself a break and say, all right, well, I'm doing pretty good. Then I can walk around and eat things and breathe and walk out in the sunshine. And then you start taking life a little less serious. And you're like, I just have to do the next right thing. You can be bitter or get better. Whatever you choose determines your character. At the end of the day, when you die, all you take with you is your character. So, be the porch... Be that, that porch light in a dark world. You want to have all those moths flying around you hmm. because you're doing something good. You're keeping it warm. You're keeping it lit. The riffraff, the bad ones, the unlovables. Keep the light on because people will keep flying around you. And one might just say, all right, well, let's take this thing on the road. You know, mm-hmm. you could be a big host one day can you will yeah see yeah change the whole thing people are lucky to come here you're not lucky to have them but (laughs) i didn't know i was gonna have this holistic experience here but it's all real it's all true it's all positive it's all negative you have to take the good with the bad and you have to say what am i willing to sacrifice for it do i want it that bad is it worth my time am i doing it for somebody else or don't want to make a freaking adventure out of this whole thing mm-hmm. I'm going to be in a rock band someday I'm going to be in a movie I'm going to meet these people but you don't want to force the universe <laughs> the universe will cut you down too just to make sure that you're not being too cocky yeah yeah I remember that and those are the people that they're successful they have money but they're hor- they're they're Miserable. Yeah. They have million dollar houses and it's empty. Their wives sleep on the other side of the house. Their kids don't even know them. Like, don't even have anything to do with them. They just want the money. Yeah. Not me. I'm not going to allow that. Even if I had a million bucks, I'd probably give it away anyway. Yeah. I give it to my kids first. But I think that's about all I got to say right about now. Man. I said that's all I gotta say about that <laughs> Dan thank you for coming over and sharing you know your story and getting to know you and just I oh man this is great man this is really great I'm so glad we got to meet and connect and man I'm just so happy you know I got to hear all that and uh, I really do appreciate it and uh, just want to shout out your uh Social media, how to keep track of you and all that? Yeah. Mr. Dan Warrior on Instagram. Daniel Adam Warrior on Facebook. And I think Mr. Dan Warrior on TikTok. But uh, I have emails too if you guys want to write. Mr. Dan Warrior at gmail.com. Um, got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Working on Reservation Dogs now. Next film will be hopefully Killers of the Flower Moon. And hopefully they ask me back to work any position at 
reservation dogs because I like the project. I like that natives are together doing something and he's bringing them from all over and it's like a good family. Um, but also I'll be working a boom mic for a production company. So I want to stay involved. I want to keep staying around movies because uh, that's what I want to do with the rest of my life. Yep. And it's it's positive. It's cool. It's my kids something to look at. And uh, I enjoy it. Doesn't seem like a job anymore. It's just I get to go there. I have an opportunity to go there and get up every morning and go see them and help the project. And if everyone acts like that, teamwork makes the dream work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think that's it, right? Unless I don't have any more social medias. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with it anyway. Uh, but I'm sure I'll be back on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, um, well, like anytime, man, just hit me up and we'll link up and shoot, just talk about whatever, man. But yeah, next time we'll get at aliens and oh man, UFOs and yeah, and all that crazy. No, I'm just kidding. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out something, but I appreciate your time and thanks a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you for coming over and just having a really good talk, man. You got it, Thanks man. Sir. And uh, yeah, if you're not following Okie Podcast, go follow it on Instagram, Facebook page. Personals Russell Sunnygo. Add me up. I'll add you back. Um, available on all platforms: Apple, Spotify, whatever. Just type it in your favorite app, and you'll find it. And please go follow Mister Daniel Adam Moyer. You know he's he's a great human being, and he. He's just going in the right path and doing what he's supposed to do, and man, be on a lookout for him. And I'm really, I'm really excited for him, and I'm really happy that you know he's doing all of this. And man, it, it just puts a smile on my face, and so glad I got to hear all this. And yeah, so just keep up with him, keep up with him. He's somebody you want to keep track of and just follow. And then just here's journey and everything. So cool, man. For everyone else. uh Stay in the river. It knows where it's going. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, I'll talk to you soon then, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I guess until next time, everybody. Peace. Peace.